Hey, everybody. Welcome to Big Blend Radio. Super excited to welcome back Dave Kersner to the show. I think it was uh, right before the pandemic that he was on the show. God, what was it? Yeah. With, with the album Breakdown, a compilation, 1995 to 2019. I'm um, right. Yeah, Dave. I mean... Did we start the pandemic? No, I'm kidding. It was right before. That was crazy. It was right before yeah. your album came out. And I remember you having all these plans and then like things went sour. But the album was good. For everybody. Yeah. You know, like there was just a standstill on touring and all sorts of things, you know. But uh, a good time to write music and work at home in isolation. So I, I kind of do that anyway. So it wasn't even that different for me, but, you know. Yeah. Well, being on the road full time, it was a little different, but we had, we had, you know, but we did a lot of parks because no one was there. It was really cool. So. Oh, that's I cool. It's, so we had a little different experience, but thank goodness for new music. It keeps us traveling. But, and I bring up travel because your new album, well, that's a little bit of travel in there and it was from a heart like a heartbreak really right uh so we want to tell everybody a little about this because this started when you were younger so the new album everybody heartland minds volume one so this is a big breakup (laughs) yeah well it was at the time um i was in my 20s in the mid 90s and um i met this girl she was a singer and um and i'm a you were players, so you know the thing in LA is um, it's tricky. You know, there's a double-edged sword. On the one hand, it's great that there's so many entertainment people, music people. If you're a musician, um, but um, so you have things in common. But then there's potentially just the trap of maybe being used or something like that. You know, for like, oh, will you produce my demo and then goodbye? And I've seen it happen, and of course it's easy to be objective when you see it happen to someone else. But when you're, when you fall mm-hmm. for somebody, you know, you don't want to think that it's like that, but it's pretty much what it was. Um, you know, she was very uh, aggressively talking about, well, only if you're serious about marriage, you know, like, cause this is it, this is, you're the one. And I'm like, I'm 25. I don't know anything. I'm like, uh, I didn't want to ruin it. So I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm open, you know? So she became my fiance really quick quicker than I would have or should have. And um, and then when the record company was interested, she was dropping me like, you know, like eh, backpedaling the whole thing. And I, I had moved into her apartment. So I had all my equipment in storage. It was a great apartment near the beach in Santa Monica. But I was kind of homeless, technically. I mean, you know, I broke up with, we <laughs> broke up, whatever. And I left uh, when that happened. And um I decided instead of saying, saying the friends and, and finding a new place, I thought, let me just grab a suitcase and a guitar and just drive without a plan, you know, just think Wait. about this and all that. So then I wrote songs on the journey and I never finished them. Uh, so I, I, you know, I just put it on the back burner. I tried some different things. I wasn't a front man back then. So I tried different singers over the years and finally I just felt like, all right, it's time to revisit those songs from the 90s, finish them, produce the album. There's a series of albums, the volume one, and then there's a volume two and maybe more. And that's what it is. Oh, man. Little Miss Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that song. So, OK, so I used to play with an artist named Kevin Gilbert. And mm-hmm. for those who know, 
he was brilliant. He's no longer with us, sadly. Uh, for those who don't know, I strongly urge you to check out KevinGilbert.com. Check out his music. He was in a band called Toy Matinee. Uh, but his biggest success was probably uh, co-writing the songs for Sheryl Crow's first record. And okay. the irony is um, the Genevieve, the character in my story, was a lot like Sheryl Crow. And Kevin had a bad, was her boyfriend, and then was also kind of like left in the dust. And so was warning me, saying, dude, you don't want to get on. I'm like, of course, I went for it anyway. And we had worked on a song called Leaving Miss Broadway. Which was a little bit of a like leaving Las Vegas. I'm like, oh. big, yeah, <laughs> but it, it never even made it onto an album as a studio version. But we played it live, and it's on a live album. So the diehard Kevin Gilbert fans know that Thud was the name of our band. And so I do make a little reference to another Miss Broadway, and that's just again these are Easter eggs for people who know that kind of stuff. But it, even if you don't, it's basically saying like somebody who's putting on a show and. Um, yeah. You know, so yeah, that's what that yeah. is. <laughs> I think we all know those and they're drama queens too. And and I mean that for guys too, sorry, but there's there there's people that just there's always something there's always this they'd never you 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 like them, you know them, but you know something's off. You know what I mean? And you should know those little flags. But you don't have red flags on your cover, your album cover. You've got like boxes flying and I'm like, dude, no way. <laughs> But I love that you went from L.A. and started driving out, right? And, and I love the videos, and, and I hope more are coming because you always do amazing video work for your music. Um, so we, we want more. But driving, you know, getting in the car and going, yeah, I, I, kind of, I've, I have to say I've kind of done that kind of thing, especially in the 20s, because everything you're in that middle, 25, 20, around that age group, you're in that like serious, I'm going to do this. You're not quite in your thirties where you've got your stuff together, but in the twenties, yeah. you're in that tweener zone and you can, you can get played pretty quick at that time, I think. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, happen it happens to all play. of us. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's, it's, since the album is very autobiographical, it's probably the most yeah. personal album that I've done. Because um, usually the albums have some sort of sci-fi. They're still personal, but they're sci-fi themed. And, and I can kind of hide behind the fiction. Whereas this is a little more honest, raw, and mm -hmm. vulnerable. It's uh, like being but... in a play, actually. Like a music play, listening to it. It's like oh, almost cool. being I... like autobiographical. Yeah, and I, I was like thinking, oh... You're going to do volume two, then it could be like a stage play, like what Bruce Springsteen did, you know? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, first of all, I mean, all of those classic rock and, and progressive rock, but especially classic rock uh, road trip music were the influences. So everything from Bruce Springsteen to Steely Dan to the Eagles to CSNY to the Beatles, Pink Floyd, of course, and and oh, yeah. but Tom Petty and it's really um Papacini, yeah. it's it's diverse in that sense because it's it's that mentality of you're gonna hit the road and listen to some music and 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 think you know it, the lyrics take uh center stage as opposed to um some of the things I've done before where uh instrumentation like uh solos and i mean there are solos and everything but not as many keyboard solos for instance which is something i'm sort of known yeah, for. yeah this is a little bit more guitar centric um on on this album i think from, from yeah before. i mean i wrote it on guitar when you're driving cross country you can't really bring a keyboard so i brought a guitar and 
I, I like that because I'm mainly a keyboard player and I write on guitar in a way that's different than guitar players do because I'm not a traditional like taught guitarist. I, I taught myself. So I do my own chords and, and guitarists look at me like, what's that? I'm like, well, I go over to a keyboard. That's a major seventh with a, you know, and, but I don't even know. <laughs> I like not knowing while I'm doing it. I can go to the keyboard and figure out what it is, but I'll just take a stab at different things and go, oh, I like that. And, or change the tuning of the guitar. And it serves as a, a nice backdrop for me to write melodies and lyrics because um, I'm not, I don't know what I'm doing. It's all rhythm and feel and feeling as opposed to the keyboard where I try to get into that zone and I do, but I do know what my way about a keyboard. That's what I was taught. So it's nice to just not even think about what chord I'm playing or anything and just listen to it, the sound of it and go, Oh, that sounds nice and get inspired mm. where I think like really great guitar players have the potential to be like bored with a chord. Like, Oh, that's not a big deal. That's just a major something. And I'd be like, no, this is, this is a six string voicing of a major seven. I mean, without even knowing it to me, mm. I'm excited. I'll play, I'll play it back and forth 20 times all excited. Whereas someone else who knew more about it would be like, uh, make it more complicated maybe so yeah that's interesting but what about the say. lyrics what about the lyrics for you um does that when you were writing this was this mostly lyrical or or was the music first you know because you're still obviously going you can feel the emotions and stuff but like what what would you say happens regarding that because i can't i suck on i suck on guitar but i write that way and i have a and I have like an orchestra going on my head and I don't know how to get the orchestra to because of the limitations of the guitar. So that's kind of interesting how you're flipping it going, well, no, I got this. <laughs> you know, me tell I'm going, damn it. I'm going to throw this <laughs> out the window, but I would never, well, but you know, it depends. So it's interesting. For me, um, usually I write the music first and then I start, um, you know, forming the lyrics oh. out of melodies and everything. In this particular case, it was a little different because let's say if I'm just writing music without necessarily a concept in mind, then it'll just be music and then I'll connect concepts later if it becomes part of a concept album. And I can I have the freedom to do that because I haven't written the lyrics yet um, and I can choose pieces of music. I have all sorts of you know hundreds of, of pieces of music that are songs waiting to happen. Uh, let's say musically, um, but without the lyrics yet. Um, or And sometimes I'll even just sing a melody and make up words or, you know, phonetic noises and things that just kind of are placeholders. And ironically, a lot of times those subconsciously or stream of conscious just become like, oh, that's actually, that would be, that sounds like this and it would make a good lyric. And then you work from there. Mm -hmm. In this case, I was writing about the situation i was in and all the emotions i was going through at the time i, I don't think I, I was as confident and 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 uh experienced enough as a lyricist back then to be able to write it at the level that i wanted to first of all kevin gilbert who i worked with is one of the best lyricists of all time he's an incredible it was an incredible lyricist so he set the standard really high for me as mm -hmm. did sting and roger waters and other lyricists in classic rock but but to be so be in his band and see that it can be done like where it's real clever and poetic and and you know progressive in its own way actually 
funny, you know, like diverse in, in storytelling uh, and rich with storytelling. Um, I felt like I pushed myself. Um, ironically, the first song, so I've been writing like music that was pretty good since I was 13, 14 playing with bands. Mm-hmm. I listened back and like, those are actually good tracks. Some yeah. of those tracks, I found one of those tracks from 1987. It became back to one on this album. It was actually this old mm-hmm. track that we used to do with my, my buddies from high school. Um, but um, so I pushed myself to do the lyrics. The, the one song that I wrote that I was actually happy with finishing back then lyrically was a song called not coming down Mm. which ended up being released with sound contact and ironically i wrote that about kevin's death oh strangely enough yeah about like hearing about you know the way he died and all these things and and it just was it was like walking the wall like you know i can't believe this is real you know when i got the phone call um and about the thrills seeking and going so high you're not coming down you know, it just gave me everything to write. Like I knew exactly how I felt about that situation, about how smart he was and how stupid it was the way he died. Similar to, let's say, someone like Philip Seymour Hoffman, who was mm-hmm. brilliant right. and then died with the needle and like just yeah. one little mistake and that's it, you're gone. And that's kind of what that yeah. song is about. So that was the first one. The rest of the songs from that era stayed unfinished, went through drafts over the years. And then finally, after I did The Traveler, uh, my third solo album and various other albums that I've written and uh, produced or co-written, co-produced, um, I felt like, all right, let's roll up the sleeves and let's let's do this album. Let's let's uh, cool. let's do it right and get everything kind of up to the standard. But this is after being really comfortable and enjoying writing lyrics because I, I guess when I was younger lyrics seemed to be a chore it was kind of like oh, oh wow. you know, like the music came so fast and you're like lyrically you're like what rhymes with blah 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 you know like like you know and try to like get other people to do it or whatever and then finally I just felt like no I have to do it and it has to be based on having something to say and of mm-hmm. course the other thing is in retrospect writing about what I went through in my 20s now with the wisdom that I have now and the vocabulary and whatever else comes with, you know, I can articulate what I really wanted to say about what was happening and tell the story in a poetic way. Little little things like, like, like for instance, in the song Genevieve, which is Mm -hmm. about the character, the girl uh, who broke my heart. Um, I'm fine about it now, by the way, I don't (laughs) know. But it's, you know, you got to get back into that headspace. And the song pushed me out, which is sort mm. of like a little bit of a reprise. Um, talk about something unique. I found mm. unique about her as a character. Um, when you talk about the warning signs and seeing things, people, your friends seeing things and saying something, a lot of times... It can be something, someone's a trait that's sort of obvious, maybe like, for instance, I mean, not to judge, but like if someone's a gold digger, there are signs. If it's someone like that, who's like looking for a, a sugar daddy or whatever it is, like somebody like, oh, you know, she's going to take him or or he, it can be both ways. Right. So, uh, let's say a player, someone like that seems to be male or female, kind of slick, kind of 
you know, got a ga- got game, you know, saying everything and, you want. It says everything you want them to say and likes everything that you do. Yeah. You already know, like they should, when someone likes every song that you like or like every, <laughs> you know what I mean? They're, it's like creepy. <laughs> it's not even just that. It's just like, they're just like, they're good. You know, like, like to just that they're players and, and you can see yep. a player male or female, like when they just have game. Right. But she was different. She was a player big time, but mm. she was kind of like a fun loving yoga hippie. Mm. And I never would oh. think that someone like that Ooh. would be playing multiple men and doing a whole thing. I thought it was all like, you know, Hey, namaste, peace and love. Uh, you know, I just didn't see it coming. That's why wow. a wolf in sheep's clothing is kind of like, she seemed really innocent and very kind of spiritual and all these things. And I thought, how could somebody so spiritual be so kind of devious and, uh, you know, destructive and self-destructive and everything. So, um, but one of the things that, I wanted to work in <laughs> just as a kind of uh, little piece of, of, of the insanity was the word namaste. Because I remember <laughs> like, you know, I, I would, there'd be signs of like, let's say there's a guy and there's something going on. And I'm thinking, am I paranoid? Am I just, I don't want to be a jealous guy, but there's something going on. Like she hugged that guy for like two minutes. What is it? That, that's what am little, I missing oh. here? Right. And and then I'm like, you know, if I said something, you know, like, so what was the deal with that? You're like a crazy, jealous person. Yeah. And then you go, namaste, (laughs) namaste, like, kind of like peace, you know, and it's like a get out of jail free card. And I just thought in retrospect, it's hilarious. But at the time it was frustrating because I was just kind of like, I don't want to be a disturber of the peace. But I'll tell you one thing that's really interesting. My current relationship that I've been in a relationship for over two years is the most peaceful, harmonious relationship I've ever had in my whole life. Oh, cool. And the thing is, I've gone through a lot of relationships where <laughs> it, there were things like that. I was tested and messed with and whatnot. And, you know, not always, but a lot of times, a little bit of crazy. And I would wonder to some extent, and like, am I just, is it me? Am I paranoid? Am I a troublemaker? But I don't think I am. And now I know I'm not. Because I'm an easygoing person, and it's just like as long as I'm with somebody who's compatible with me and an easygoing, you know, relatively, it's fine. And I'm like, okay, I, you know, I knew it, but you, can do you it. don't know it until yeah. you experience it, you know. So, but anyway, yeah, she, she yeah, was no, just I, trouble. That's that's yeah. I think you. It's all about finding the right person, and then you get some people that are two troublemakers at the same time, and they then you got Bonnie and Clyde, man. And it's like crazy, like the serious crazy can happen, and then we like to watch that because like we're all weird that way. It's like, dude, go out there and do that so we can watch, but don't do it, don't do it at home. You know what I mean? Well, but that's I think- what I did. <laughs> I mean, I essentially went through the heartache and all that crazy stuff driving cross country, very dramatic, but it's true, and. uh so that I could have a story to tell and other people who let's say maybe married their high school sweetheart or, or, you know, play a little safer or wiser can at least enjoy the crazy ride that someone like me went through emotionally. It's, it's interesting because going on the road too. And um, so going on the road, right. That is like, okay. It's like clear the cobwebs, right. 
get on the road. And then there's that moment of like, holy crap, what did I just do? Like there's like these ups and downs of the road, especially solo travel. And then you want like some crazy road trip thing to happen, like a movie, right? You know, so all these things happen. And I, I think one of the songs, there's so many songs. It, you've got, I want people to listen to it all the way through because it is autobiographical. Like I, like I said, it would be kind of cool to have it as a stage play kind of thing. But listening, Manic Calm to me is that moment where like the two oceans meet. And I don't know if you've seen two oceans meet, but it's pretty darn oh, yeah, incredible. Absolutely. It's, it's magic calm and then bam and i think that happens on the road no matter what's driving you to go on the road there are those moments of hurry up and wait it's like the the polar opposites and it's like that's a badass song i that's one of my favorites on there oh really some oh, that's i don't know if it's just i kept i've listened to it quite a few times so i don't know what it is but it there's something in there the guitar parts are cool too you've got some great musicians matt on there he was on our show matt's cool uh, so a lot of people getting on board. So did they all like want to know all the juicy details of, of your breakup? <laughs> or are they just like listening some of the, to well, the music? Some <laughs> of the musicians recorded back. I used recordings that we did in the 90s on this album. So this album, ironically, oh, wow. travels in time uh, in that sense. Um, guys like Lyle Workman, who played with Sting and Beck mm-hmm. and, and Jellyfish, uh, Mark McCright. Uh, Gene Siegel. So those are the guys I, I, you know, hung around with back then, the '90s in, in LA, and then Fernando Perdomo and and Matt Dorsey. Um, you know, uh, also we got Elliot Randall from Steely Dan to guest um, on on Back to One, and um, but um, yeah, I mean, and then me, I play a lot of guitar on the record mm-hmm. this time, cool. uh, but we, you know, so yeah, I mean, in terms of little. Um, uh, milestones along the way on the journey just before manic calm is a song called worlds apart mm-hmm. and it starts oh, off with, with a phone call and a disconnection mm-hmm. and it's a true story um <laughs> i kind of got to the point where it's like did i exactly what you said like did i maybe overreact or maybe maybe we could talk about this may i don't have to just you know like leave because you know i left our place which was her place and I mean, I guess I could have got a hotel or something, but I just got in the car and went. And then I was like, normally, if there's a breakup, let's say maybe you might talk just to see if you can like explain, you know, yeah, work it up. Uh, although I had mixed feelings about that because they were very specific. But it's not like I caught her cheating. I just was pretty sure she was cheating. She was kind of backpedaling the whole thing, flirting with the A&R guy. And everything was like bruising my pride and i just thought this is not you you wanted me to marry you and now you're doing this i'm like i'm out of here i'm not gonna stand for this you know which is better than you know allowing someone to kind of steamroll you but then i thought let me at least call and she disconnected the phone (laughs) which is weird because that's like disconnecting from everybody but that was to me it was just like this person is done and doesn't want to go back and whatever so i thought to me you know poetically the the tones that you hear the three tones do 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 i sampled it and turned it into an instrument mm-hmm. uh and play it throughout the song most people wouldn't know that unless i say it but that's what you're hearing that's and i for me it was like saying like that's all i have left are these words we're sorry 
try again. The full thing was like, we're sorry, you, re you reached the number that's been disconnected. Yeah. Please try again. But I just took, we're sorry, try again. That's and good. the tones. And it's like, that's all that's left, dude. So you got to keep going. And then Manic Calm would be that kind of like duality of yeah. schizophrenic feeling of like, all right, this was the right thing. This is, this is meant to be. I'm calm. This is cool. No, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. Like, oh, I can't believe like what did I so do? What did up. I do? And then you're in the middle of the desert somewhere, right? And you had to drive through desert, right? I had to put Joshua Tree there because it just has to be there. But you know, <laughs> it's that hey, it's historically good. I mean, Graham Parsons is still lying there somewhere, I suppose. But you never know. <laughs> well, I love the United States. I mean, I've driven cross country many times, actually. Uh, you know the ironic thing let's say man at calm I, I i mentioned the tumbleweed and <laughs> yeah. that's kind of referring to texas i was gonna say texas, texas exactly is a little long of a drive yeah. and a little deja vu with the tumbleweeds well I'm, I'm gonna let you know because as when this airs we would have just driven across the country and i'll let you know how it goes this will be totally i mean i've listened inside with headsets and just sat and listened and went through like i was saying your other two albums because it to me it was just this whole journey to hear all these sounds and then thinking about you know when you go back to the 90s you know how songwriting has changed how musicians are recording like hey i've heard this i'm gonna just you know record it on my phone so i know what i was writing so that kind of wasn't there at that time and even the, when, when i heard the the phone part of you're disconnected or this is gone you know I thought that was funny because we we rarely hear that anymore. And now if you disconnect your number, like that is the end of the world. Like if your phone is gone and you didn't back up your phone to the cloud, which I've done on the loneliest road of America, like everything died. Nancy's phone died. Mine died. No, I did not back it up. No, I am on the loneliest road of America. And I don't know where the hell I'm going in the middle of the desert in a pandemic. But somehow there was a Verizon store. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, you get through these things, but um, how did you record these songs initially? Were you writing them down? How did you, I mean, did you have a tape recorder at that time? Because <laughs> we did have cassettes back in the day and they're coming back out again. I wonder how that's going to work. I, you know, well, that's a whole other subject. But as far as what I did, I mean, we recorded it on something called an ADAT, which okay. was uh, a digital recorder that uh, used VHS tapes actually and recorded eight tracks at a time on those. And I borrowed someone's, I still have the tapes. I'm a hoarder for better or worse of like, at least my music, yeah. you know, I've got all the old cassettes, four track cassettes from when I was a kid, everything. I don't know why, but I just do. I just can't throw it out. Cool. So I have all those old ADAT tapes. So I transferred those over because I thought, uh, just kind of, I could have re-recorded re everything, but it just captures some of the vibe of what the album where the foundation where it came from so um and they they were good those adats um as far as jotting ideas because i do use the voice message memo thing all the time now oh i i know i there was one thing that's dramatically changed for the better um so i i've always had just kind of like at least some sort of home studio if not access mm -hmm. to you know a, a pro studio but uh and the i mean but ever since i was a kid we had a garage band and you know i turned sure. my garage into my own little studio i mean even when i was really little i had like a light bright remember those 
<laughs> on top of the piano to pretend like I had synthesizers. Um, so I, I, this has always been the case. But um, uh, I love that. But, That's so cool. but so, but, but in the nineties, I had this problem where if I had a song idea, I started just producing it like we were doing the album. I mean, it had its benefits, but you got you lost track of the idea you were so deep in already trying to produce it oh you're already it, editing Ooh, yeah you're already sitting there mixing yeah. and editing and doing stuff and so years later i changed to the extreme opposite i don't care what it sounds like it's just jotting the down the idea as fast as possible and then keep the idea in here for a little while and then go in and you know, and go to the piano first, maybe even there, or the guitar, and work work out the arrangement and and different things, and then go to the to the computer and, and start recording things. Okay. It's not it doesn't have to be, but I, I find that to be very it allow it affords me the opportunity to think it through in my head and not get married. That's the problem. You start doing things and you get don't married. Don't get married, to it, then, Dave. Yeah, you know what I, happened? I, the, the lesson here is don't get married. I'm actually not yeah. married. I'm divorced. And I really have no plans to get married. I think, you know, but anyway, that's a separate <laughs> subject. Uh, but the, um, yeah, it, it's, it's kind of like maintaining objectivity, I guess. And, yeah. and get not get committing to something yet because it's not, you have, you know, music's very interesting because the more you hear it, it becomes maybe an earworm. It, it like it just and, and it, that's a good thing because you're like humming it and, and you're like hey i like this i want to revisit this well when you're the music creator you listen to it way more than other people mm-hmm. probably do and so it really kind of burns into the brain and then it becomes kind of hard to hear it any differently i mean even if you hear like a mistake the mistake almost sounds right because you've heard that with the mistake a million times you know what i mean and that was actually one of the hard hardest things about making this album versus fresh new music is i had so many different lyric uh drafts even to the point where when when we sang it live we just played a a, a festival called prog stock sometimes i was remembering old lyrics and i was like oh no no, wait wait i changed that (laughs) Oh, oh my god so it's dangerous to like commit and and have and listen to it a lot and get it burned in the brain when you're still trying to create it you want to try to yeah. get leave it here and then it's like okay I'm now I'm committing the final and I'll burn that into my brain especially if I'm going to perform it live you know so exactly. that's my new technique yeah yeah because it's like even with writing and stuff you if you're you're in it when you're first creating you're like in it you're 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 like it's like a pancake with a ton of syrup you're in it and if you try to edit while you're swimming in the syrup, your wings are heavy. But then once you get out and you look at the pancake with the syrup, I don't know why I'm going there, but it sounds good to me. Actually, delicious. It sounds always good, you know. I'm so hungry. I'm looking at that, but yeah, I know. And but you, you can see where to chop. You know what I mean? It's like oh, yes. there's a burnt end here. Oh, this needs a strawberry here. I think we talked about cooking before. That's what it is. It's food. It's food time. But yeah. yeah. But if your wings are too heavy in it. You can't really see. It's like you have to have the pilot's perspective of when you fly into a community that drone, this is why drone photography is so cool because you get a visual of a place that you don't know when you're on ground. 
So I think it's, it's, we tend to also in our minds edit because of the negativity stuff we have. So we, you know how we are negative before we are positive a lot of times until we deprogram ourselves or whatever. I mean, namaste on that one. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, good luck on all of that because human beings are human beings, but it's true. So we'll cut something and man, it could have been the gem of the song. And like sometimes you'll chop something. We call it killing the babies. And I talked to a death doula lately, uh, uh, a few weeks ago on a show and we had to cut that out because I started talking about editing and cutting the babies and apparently killing the babies or cutting the babies is not what you say on the show. But anyway, right. um, <laughs> yeah, I know, but it, we're not talking about death. Right. But, but if sometimes you cut out something that is actually what makes it, even if you don't like it at that point, come back to it two days later and you may really love that part of it. So I don't know. Sometimes we get too close to the art when you're yeah. in it. Is my point. Yeah, exactly. And I think probably that nothing beats experience. You know, mm. like when someone yeah. is a, a, an artist of any type or, or probably anything actually in life, any vocation or whatever, it's like if you just get in there and do it and do it and do it and care about it and passionate about it and pushing yourself to improve, um, naturally, especially if you have an inclination toward it, like it's kind of fits you um which music did since a very early age for me i kind of knew what i wanted to do um consciously or subconsciously you're honing your craft mm -hmm. and um for me i kind of felt like i had the experience of being stuck on something and, and losing perspective not knowing too close to it or not knowing yeah and uh or deciding too early and it you know the one of the worst things which would be it sounding contrived sounding forced you know and i'm very picky and i have a high standard for certain qualities that i want to achieve because i want to offer the world listeners certain things that i like about mm -hmm. music like let's say in the production layers of different kinds of sounds um lyrics that have depth um that you could but have a duality so you're not forcing the depth in there it's kind of like you can there's layers you can just listen to it and not yeah. listen to the lyrics and it just sounds nice or you could think about it or you could think about it in context of the whole story and it's it's up to the listener how deep down the rabbit hole they want to mm. go but the the writer has to build it that way you have to think it through and in order to do, and then, you know, little motifs and things that connect to uh, other parts of the album, all that stuff is done in a way where I'm very careful not to, you know, put a square peg in a round hole just because I want to, you know, it, it, it's like a balance between what I want to say, what sounds good lyrically and po poetically you know, saying it in a poetic way too, not just like right on the nose all the time. Either. Yeah. All those things. And, and then the music and then the arrangement of it, how long should this be? How short should it be? And a lot of that goes by feel. If mm. you've maintained this kind of, you know, balance between being close to it and not too close to it, you know, being committed to it, but not, but still open. And then you, you know, you get it, um, you know, chisel away. And like you said, you hope, 
that you didn't chisel out someone's favorite part. Too much. I do. Get, yeah. I get other opinions too. Sometimes I'll play it for the musicians I'm working with, or a trusted friend of mine, longtime friend of mine, Shimon Spiegel. He um, was the associate producer on the last two albums because he's fine because I self-produced. But it's like, all right, but let me have somebody with good ears yeah. who's really picky too. Listen to it. And tell me what they think of the mix or tell me what they think of the production. Oh, you should, you know, that's a little quiet. Or this. Um, and there was a section, there's a bit, there were a couple sections of different songs that I almost cut out. And someone said, no, no, don't cut that out. I love that part. And I'm like, yeah. it is good. It's good. Right. And like, yeah, yeah, you got to keep it. And I'm like, all right, I'll keep it. <laughs> so I don't mind, <laughs> but- you know, a little bit of a peanut gallery, you know, just, just a little bit of outside objectivity uh thrown in there too because again it's all part of the balance you know at the end of the day it's a solo album but it's a collective work with collaborations with other people i give them their spotlight moments to solo or or a feature of the song like there's violin from joe denizon who plays with kansas Mm -hmm. and things that are just like it's not all about me i could play all the instruments if i wanted to i mean i might do that someday just for fun but it's kind of like well why when you can work with such amazing talented you musicians make you, you do work with amazing people on all your different projects you know it's like wow you know yeah let them be who they are because it adds it's it's co-creative and as a listener it's co-creative right and the dynamic that you bring and i think from your music and just listening through that's why i was listening through all of it i was like well not all of it but you know going through that the other day i was like wow there is a um like prog rock can be sometimes too crisp of a sound it's so technically perfect right and in, in, in an album or something where it can almost be too technical and miss that um that warmth and you've got this balance of yeah this is going to be exactly you know this this is going to sound quality crisp but you've got this warmth that is a very good balance of dynamics and i think that is i always listen for that it's like I don't want anything to hurt my ears. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, and sometimes in, in prog rock, it can be just, it's almost when jazz went a little crazy kind of thing. And I, and I love jazz and everything, but it's like, don't, don't miss the soul part of it. And that's important with being technically good and pristine and quality of sound. If you miss the soul, it doesn't feel good. There's something that doesn't give you the namaste. <laughs> now I'm going to get into that now. <laughs> anyway, uh, just yeah. that that's going to be a joke now for a while <sighs> for me. Because I could go on a whole other story on that. But anyway, um, <laughs> I'm <bet>. just, <laughs> but anyway, but do, do you know what I mean about that? Where it's so technically yeah. good and pristine and especially in the recording can be like, this is the perfect sound. But if it's missing soul, it's missing soul. And I, you know, I'm, I'm probably, let's say, known as a progressive rock artist. I'm a keyboard player. My influences are Genesis, Tony Banks, and mm-hmm. uh, Yes, and Pink Floyd. And I, I have a band with members of Yes called yeah. Art of Life, and uh, I'm in their band. And and like, you know, I do a lot of stuff, uh, Cruise to the Edge, which is, you know, and, but as a uh, songwriter and as a music artist in general, I wouldn't say I'm only exactly what you think progressive rock is or should be i look at it a little broader than that which ironically progressive rock is supposed to be broader a broad style because it's eclectic bringing from different so 
to me, it's kind of like, well, prog rock itself, if you define it with certain things like odd time signatures, uh, instrument, instrumental bits and, and, you know, uh, atmosphere and, and out of the norm, uh, structures and stuff, um, is just a, um, a area along the whole plane of music, but underneath it all is for me has to be the soul. And I don't want to sound too pretentious with that, but like, let's say it's hard to put into words exactly what it is, but like some, some kind of driving meaning or Emotive. magic to it yeah. that is very human and that you connect with it and is genuine. Isn't mm -hmm. like, and I, I, you know, it's almost like it's the reason I make the albums. It's not because, mm -hmm. hey, I'm a musician and I'm going to make albums. It's because I have this the ideas. Once I have the ideas, it's my responsibility to take them to fruition. And when I've run out of ideas, I'm going to be in trouble because then I would be maybe in a situation where I can't even imagine. I don't want to imagine. I don't where I'm think like, you're okay, have let's that make problem. another album. No, no ideas, but let's just play and okay, that'll do. Oh, because do it. exactly what the record label tells you to do. Yeah, and and well, I'm, I benefit from the fact that I'm not on. I have my own record label, yeah. And I have, in fact, I was just thinking about this, talking to somebody about this. How um, I was just, I got on a kick and was listening to a bunch of really great music from the '90s. Uh, some bands that are two two bands and an artist that played together. Uh, one of them played with all three that are probably some of the best and most underknown underrated for how great they are. And they are jellyfish, mm -hmm. um, the grays and Jason Faulkner. Those three made albums that are just incredible. And I was, you know, so I'm friends with some of those guys like Roger Manning was in uh, jellyfish and I've asked a few questions here and there, but you know, I didn't want to pry like, why did you guys break up? What happened? Blah, blah, blah. So I just looked it up online and i was reading about how first of all this album spilt milk which i was around in the studio when they were mastering that working mm -hmm. with someone else and um they spent apparently like three hundred thousand dollars to make the record which today would be like six hundred something thousand that doesn't happen anymore and of course it sounds great but when you've got that much to spend you know like now try to make something as lush Without that, of course, you have different tools to be able to do it and everything. But that's what I try to do. Those are the mm -hmm. kind of albums that I, you know, aspire to sound like in terms of production and stuff. They're they're amazing. Jack Joseph Puig, you know, the producer, engineer. Anyway, so I was thinking about that and how, like, okay, the Grays, another even less known than than Jellyfish, incredible. I highly recommend people check out their one album, Rochambeau. It's on the streaming services and everything. Song after song, it's just killer. It's three different songwriters: Buddy Judge, uh, John Bryan, who's a, a great talent, another friend of mine, um, and Jason Faulkner, who was in Jellyfish and his solo stuff. Yeah. And so they're just the three of them are amazing. And then they broke up, and I was like, "Why did they break up? What's their deal?" And part of it was the album didn't wasn't successful enough, and blah blah blah. And it's like, of course, they probably spent a lot of money and the label didn't recoup and they were just like dropped them and next. And it's like, that was gold. Like, you know, people say that about sound of contact with Matt and I and Simon yeah. Collins and stuff. And it's so it's easy to say when you think like, why did they do it? I'm like, well, why did you do it, Dave? I'm like, I, we have our reasons. Um, but, uh, but still I think to myself, 
even even Jason Faulkner, who now plays with St. Vincent and he's played with Beck, you know, and he needs to eat. So he gets hired and he's very talented. So he gets hired big gigs like that. Um, but then someone was telling me, I didn't actually see it myself, but on social media, like, dude, when are you going to do another solo album? And he makes these great solo albums. They're fantastic. Jason Faulkner. Um, I love him. And, and he said like, well, like, you know, I need to eat, I need to work and, you know, I'm working on one, but it's not top priority because you guys don't buy it. Yeah. And now with streaming, it's like even less money. Well, I noticed with this album, you only have like an EP out on Spotify and, and bank. Like, I was like, okay, that's smart because it, you're giving people a taste. But honestly, you need to listen to the whole album in its, in its entirety to, for me personally, because it is a storyline. Um, you know, go listen, but it's, it's just not, it's not the same, you know? Um, well, I'm idea. just one of those who like the whole thing, you know. Don't, well, for my music, I tend to do, for better or worse, it's just kind of my thing. These concept albums where the songs are sort of have seamless transitions into each other. And it gives you a really cool album listening experience, which is almost in some ways a dying art. You know, people are a yep. little bit more single oriented and I'm still stuck on like, no, but I something about an album. It's coming back because vinyl's coming back. And I think the vinyl push may help. And then I was talking to a musician uh, the other day, John Dawson, and they're doing cassettes. And I'm like, dude, seriously. And he's like, well, there's very few of them. <laughs> it's so That's a novelty. And it's cute yeah. and fun. Even vinyl to me is still novelty. It's fun, but you have to change the side. It's still not a seamless experience, actually. You have to at least change the mm -hmm. side and you get clicks and pops. But but it's fun. It's 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 just nostalgia and for younger generation, it's a charm there's a charm to it. It's cool. And you know, there's vinyl mm -hmm. enthusiasts. I think it is great for that kind of you know what's great about it is thinking of music as a collection. Because mm -hmm. to me, an album has weight to it in the sense that it's like, okay, that's that year with that artist that he did or they did this collective yeah. work as opposed to a song which can happen popcorn anytime, whatever, which is still cool. But there's something about even versus an EP. An EP is an, a light version of an album, but an album is kind of a milestone in, in terms of a creative statement. It's like writing a book. It is like writing a book to me, a novel, an yeah, album versus is a like short that. story. Want... Exactly, it is, and and that much that amount of work that goes into it, and it has to be co-created if, if you're getting other people involved, which most write well writers have to do that too. But well, yeah, since I do albums like that because of the genre, because of that approach, I'm experimenting with this idea of not giving away the farm on all the streaming services like sure. most everyone does. And I sort of feel slightly, I have mixed feelings about it because I feel bad that my whole album isn't on all those platforms for people to just listen to. But there is this exact, you, you nailed it, which is pretty much like, well, the idea is you can listen to six songs out of the 14 of the album. They're, they don't have seamless transitions. They're standalone. They aren't edited this time. On the Traveler singles, I did an EP. They were edited as well, uh, a little bit a little shorter. But these are the full length, but they don't have those transitions, and they're just half the album, a little, you know. Um, but it's a good, it's a good enough, uh, you know, if, if, if for some people, it's like kind of like the highlights and the cliff notes, yeah. or, you know, like this is the, 
the gist of it. But if you, the idea is if you like that and you want more, then you go, then you go buy the album, like the good old days. Mm -hmm. And that's the only way artists like myself and many, many others can afford to do that. Cause we have to recoup the expense of time and, and money to, to make these, they don't just make themselves. So, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. a big proponent for, for trying to not only um, help uh, listeners understand how important it is, especially for indie artists, but maybe the whole industry. But like if you're Taylor Swift, it doesn't affect as much because there's millions and millions, millions of billions of streams, but niche artists like jazz or prog or, or, uh, you know, things that aren't mass popular, it just doesn't add up. It's a fraction of a penny per stream. So the way around it is if you like an artist, you buy their album or you buy their T-shirt or mm -hmm. go to the shows or whatever it is. But like, think like, OK, I need to support. It's like you're, it's your voting with your wallet for the kind of music you want to exist because it yeah, won't like exist that, yeah. anymore. If we don't. You know, but anyway. Yeah. And, and music is far more important than politicians. Let me not go get started. But <laughs> we need it because of the politicians. It's like, OK, we need something else. Um, we need you an know, escape. To, yeah. We do need that escape, but um, Bandcamp just sold, didn't they? Uh, did I read yeah. that right? That they just sold, so they were like at one point the only decent, you know. So they still are for now. Well, we'll see. Yeah, so it's kind of a we'll see, but um, it is a weird, weird world for anyone in the creative arts. Authors dealing with Amazon and that crap. I mean, I think everyone, even what we do, it's like, oh, we need to put ads on every little thing and we work with our own people. And it's like, no matter what, it's it's a wild west out there. And hopefully one day we can, I just say we all work together and make it like, you know, vote for it, like you're saying. Um, going back to prog rock, I wanted to talk about that um, with that soul, con that soul part of it, right? Um I also feel like all the, because I remember, you know, starting interviewing, you know, prog rock artists and I'm like, what exactly is this? Because I hear all these different things and I'm, you know, I'm the blend. I don't care like really about labels, but what I have noticed and, and I've asked this of other people may think I'm weird, but it's okay. It's not just the sound of prog rock from what I've noticed from all the musicians that are in that genre or that label that the progressive part is not just the music. It is about the lyrics. It is about the message and the story that is sending out that is more of a progressive, caring kind of message in some way. Like, a, um, you know, it could be, you know, hey, we're trying to lift some voices on or some shine a light on an issue or something like that. But it seems that there's a higher sensibility of what is going out musically and the messaging behind the music. Is it just me and what I've heard? Or what do you think about that? I mean, obviously, every artist and band is different and has their yeah. own kind of thing. But uh, to me, I look at it sort of like both in my own music and some of the music I like of modern progressive rock uh, as a combination of nostalgia and pushing the envelope to offer something new to add to the, you know, expansion of progressive music in terms of any of the areas like, okay, well, here's a different angle. So, because, you know, some people expect, you know, and, and, and it rarely happens, but you to like reinvent the wheel and it's like, it should be completely new and original and like, you know, 
And I, I sometimes get sort of criticized for sounding a lot like Pink Floyd or sounding like the Beatles or this and that. And it's just like, well, I'm intentionally uh, using those influences as part of my palette. And I want nostalgia as part of it. I want you mm -hmm. to, I want to keep some of those things I like about those bands alive. But yeah, carry the torch. Yeah. For me to do a mm -hmm. good job, I need to add something new to it. I need to blend it in a different way so it isn't exactly like a second rate Pink Floyd song or something. And I think none of it is. I could argue every single song that sounds anything like this band or that band, I could say, well, they'd never do that because it gets fast here and they wouldn't, you know, or there's, or like with Pink Floyd, because the song, you know, the, a, a lot of times my voice is a lot like David Gilmore's and, you know, people make that reference. And that's, it's kind of like saying, you look too much like Brad Pitt. I'm like, I don't, I wouldn't mind. So, but you sound like Pink Floyd. It's like, well, I love Pink Floyd. So thank you. But, uh, but the thing is, is Pink Floyd would never write about this romantic stuff that I write about and breakups and everything. Their, their idea of, of a breakup is, uh, beat to a pulp on a Saturday. <laughs> I was night gonna say, here goes, yeah. You know, <laughs> you know like, I've got this like is the a wall very different, me. you know, uh, subject matter typically. And, but the other thing is, like you said, like lyrically, it's another area to me to progress. And I, I actually learned that from Kevin Gilbert because he was also really into Prague and he did this kind of alt rock pop, but infused with Prague elements. But what he did that made an impression on me was, you know, a lot of the Prague that we like from the 70s, some of the lyrics are a little bit... Uh, out of reach little inaccessible like you don't really know they're maybe talking about a little mouse or something or or like a purple wolfhound whatever that is or you know mythical creatures and things oh, that are you know, cool fantasy but not necessarily something that you can relate to or something that necessarily makes sense and i even mm -hmm. asked john anderson one time about a yes song and he was giving me this whole like explanation like well dave you know the harmonic convergence and all that and then he goes well actually dave we were just really high it was the 70s. Exactly. And I'm like, oh, all right. Okay. okay. That's the So there was the a don't eat the purple berries, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's fair enough. That's fine too. But in order to, let's say, change it a little bit, what if it was accessible? What if it was something that you could follow and relate to and also laugh and uh, all these other uh elements of storytelling and 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 you know like breaking the, the fourth wall and all these things and, and again kevin kind of you know taught me that by, by what he did and i was like well that's 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 new that's fun mm -hmm. like why not you know and of course country music does that but sometimes country music's just a little not poetic enough maybe it's just too on the nose like and and people people generally like it because they relate to it. Like, yeah, I, I had a beer. I grabbed a beer and I, I did that too. You know, it's like, well, what if there's someone in the middle between Prague and mainstream rock mm. or country or blues or all those kinds of things that people relate to. And right there, to me, that's making some progress thinking man's music, but that isn't so clever that it's like over your head or yeah. so obscure that it's that you can't relate to it. I think people are tired of, so much constant information you know through social media the news all the drama in the world so an escape shouldn't be work you yeah. know 
it, it shouldn't be. And, and, but you do want the element of surprise. You want to go on the album here, then go back, go, Oh, I didn't hear this part. Like the first, you want to, you want it to have those layers that you were talking about earlier because then it, it stays fresh. And it is cool to have sounds from the past because how do we keep that, that flame going? You know what I mean? It's like, I feel that way about the blues strongly. Um, Great example. To keep that, you know, to keep that flame going, like, so that we don't lose that cultural root section of music. And I don't think we ever will, but it's, it's like you want to keep that going and with integrity too. Um, you know, so like country has changed a lot. Country now to me is like pop rock. It's like, I don't know who's a country artist or not. Chris Stapleton to me sounds like an R&B singer, like an old school good R&B singer. So, I have no clue. Apparently, it's okay with me. <laughs> you know, I think it's, it's what people like. You know, as an artist, it's great to be able to filter everything, all those styles through your eyes, through your mm -hmm. uh, vision of it. And I, so I, I like things about folk and country. I generally don't like to listen to it. Maybe Johnny Cash or something like that, but. Mm -hmm. um, but my, there's my version of it, like what mm -hmm. I would do. And then within the context of what I really like, which is rock and roll and mm -hmm. just kind of, and, and I'm certainly not the only one to do that. The Beatles and Led Zeppelin had their folksy moments and, and, and Pink Floyd as well. And, and I always liked the way they would bring those elements into a different context. And then it became like something that, that someone like me would like, you know, because yeah. it's, it's, you know, pushes the envelope a little bit. It's like, all right, it's, it's got, it's eclectic. And, um, but yeah, I think it, it's, it's all a matter of, um, interpretation. Like if you, so if all those, all the knowledge of music before that came before is your foundation of influence, your foundation, your reference point, you know, like when we talk to each other, it's like uh, kind of like a Bonamy beat, you know, and we kind of know what that means. It means, you yep. know, hit it hard and, you know, or a Ringo thing, a little shuffle. And, um, when you, you know, it's all about doing it in a way that you make it your own. It's authentic. Mm -hmm. And I've always liked that, like bands like Tears for Fears, you know, uh, Sowing the Seeds of Love, it's very Beatlesy, but it's very oh, yeah, Tears yeah. for Fears. It's unique yeah. to them, and I love that stuff. So, but it's it's there's an art to that, I guess. Some people can do it, and it just sounds like a copy. And then some people yeah. will only hear it as a copy because they don't really they. they Sometimes they it's don't. a tribute. What is, okay, all that's happening in my brain right now, they're, they're yeah. listening to you, like, you keep talking about Pink Floyd, and now all I can hear is see Emily play. Like, what the heck? Like, why why that's my head went there? Floyd. That's an, oh, that's like, it's like, but it was an element of surprise for me hearing that, because I, I hadn't heard that. I'd heard, you know, everything else, but then all of a sudden, here I am with see Emily play, and I'm like, wow, okay. So it's it was like an element of surprise. You know what I mean? And it was almost Beatlish to me. That song. Oh, well, yeah. They were heavily. I mean, Dark Side of the like, Moon has very Beatlesy moments. Yeah. Um, Across the Universe came before that. Da, na, 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 na. Mm -hmm. But um, but that's just how even the Beatles borrowed from Little Richard and the Beach Boys and all sorts Everyone, of people. Yeah. So that's just how it works. But I'm, I'm a little bit more uh, transparent and honest about it um, and confident in the sense that 
I know what I'm doing and I know I'm aware of when it's gone too far or if it's just a, a second rate copy, I wouldn't do it if it didn't have a purpose. Like for instance, yeah. the song dirty girl. Uh, oh, I like that by the way. I like that song. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So it's got this kind of like Eagles ish, you know, life in the fast lane vibe or whatever. And then it goes to, this middle section that goes full on Beatlesy, and I that I that one that bit I wrote now, uh, mm-hmm. so that song I've been sort of unfinished, and and the middle section I wrote because, you know, when you take a, an album like Sgt. Pepper, uh, there was something about the Beatles in that era that was kind of uh, whimsical and like a carnival, you know, like and it's sort yep. of and it, it fit the comedy of this song about this girl who. Um, would take strangers back to her place when her parents weren't there. And like, it was a strict religious household. I, it seemed like it was a true yeah. story. And you would think like, okay, <laughs> parents are away. The, you know, the cat's away. The mice play or whatever kind of a thing. And um, it was just funny, <laughs> this situation. And so it was the perfect backdrop for every week. It's the same. Someone else and like, do you want to <laughs> be that guy? I mean, cause you know, you just got out of a relationship. Everybody and- knows. You know, do you go for it? I didn't end up going for it. I so in the song, I make it sound like a punishment. That's like if you're not going to go along this, you can go. Uh, there's the door. Yeah. You, know, you can sleep outside. The truth is, I asked to sleep outside because her little brother was there, and I didn't want to. I'm a stranger. Like the whole thing was weird in their home. Uh, but I said, but the reason I want to sleep outside is because it was gorgeous, and I'm sure you've seen this traveling around. No light pollution. You could see oh, yeah. every star. And I'm kind of like a city boy. So for me, I was like, I even said to her, I'm like, you want to come outside or whatever? She's like, no. I'm like, it's gorgeous. Like, you're <laughs> spoiled. You don't even know how. And so I stayed out all night in a little sleeping bag. And it was actually amazing. Very just powerful to see all the, like the Milky Way. I mean, it was, in, it was incredible. It was in Utah. And, oh, wow. uh, but yeah, oh, wow, wow. but anyway, so that that's yeah. how I see those things. It's like there's a reason, you know, like a, a it just works musically, or just kind of like it, it's a dynamic, it's a color. But you've uh, got, but you you add the element of surprise, and there's a lot of quirkiness, like the stories. There's sarcasm, hard truths, and and just some like what, <laughs> you know, you just go what did he just say. You know, that kind of thing, which is cool. I think that, well, that's what makes a good album. Are you going to, so volume one, so what, what's volume two look like? Is that in production or are you, you yeah, know, just, oh, no, is most that of your way written. of saying I'll finish this now? <laughs> oh, no, I, I, it's, I, most of it's recorded and written. Um, I'll have it done for early next year. Awesome. Um, awesome. But the interesting thing about volume two is really the tie in with writing it now. What happened was we, uh, a guy named Eric Nielsen and I drove around the country filming the drive, which I use for the Blu-ray, for the videos coming up. Yeah. And we've got some, we have some great footage and we captured cool. it in like panoramic. And uh, while we were doing that, um, about four or five years ago, whatever, I was in this phase of a little taste of a midlife crisis in the sense that i was dating a girl much younger than me which i don't do anymore 
But, you know, at the time I was sort of in denial of my age and just going through those things that you might go through as, as a uh, late 40s, 50, early 50s, you know, just, you know. Anyway, so. I have I no clue about was, any of that at all. It's, it's, it's oh, hitting. Oh, well, you're lucky. It's, it's, it's hitting. It, now I'm just being sarcastic as hell. I mean, I oh. think everybody <laughs> in, in this age group, they're all going, what the hell just happened? Like, it's almost like it just, somebody turned a switch and said, oh yeah, watch this. You didn't think it was going to happen? It is. As a rock musician, you get an extra pass to be a kid, to be a big kid. Yeah. And, and you think like, oh, well, you know, whatever. And so I had this girlfriend at the time and she was too young and, um, you know, and to be serious about. And I even was like trying to not take it seriously, like being like, okay, well, we'll just have fun, whatever. I'm single. So sure. Why not? And then, um, I'm not very, I'm not, I'm a monogamous type of person. So I fell for, her. and then, you know, she broke up with me and she should, because I was too old, but it wasn't going to work out. I mean, my, my mom, her, her husband was, I think like 20 years older than her, but he, he died. And I guess it worked for them. But for me, it was just kind of like, it just wasn't really right. But anyway, it didn't stop me from getting my heart broken again while I'm on the drive. Wasn't the same impact. Obviously, she wasn't my fiance and it wasn't. But the irony is that it was, strangely enough, a good thing in terms of getting back into the headspace of being sad, getting your heart broken, not seeing the you know, like, why did yeah. I fall for her when I knew this was trouble? It wasn't going to work. But it's like, yeah, but once you start to, you know, open up with someone and let them in and everything, you, you know, you start to love them and get attached. And and then it's like, oh, getting out of this is, is can be painful. Um, and, you know, it's like, and, and again, it was like another lesson of like, yeah, be careful dabbling. If you're going to dabble, like I don't <laughs> dabble anymore. You know, I waited, yeah. actually. I was very picky uh, before. I, I, I had a whole year where I was with no one. And then finally, I met my current girlfriend. And it was like, all right, that was worth waiting for instead of just kind of, well, let's make this a half-hearted try. And it's like, before you know it, you're stuck in something that was never really compatible. For you know, So anyway, of course, you could wait around forever for Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright and you know, there's that too. But either way, I don't know if I have the answers, uh, but for myself or for anyone else. Hey, but, but you're good now. He's 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 all right now. <laughs> I have I have right. some lessons of just yeah. kind of like, well, if you dabble, you might fall in love and get hurt. So just be aware. If you want to do it anyway, go for it. But so that's what volume two is a bit more about. It's about wow. the drive, remembering the drive. So there's those two layers. Um even this album is in the sense that I'm writing it as a, um, you know, like the beginning starts with the song, true stories, like wrote an album that no one's never heard. So you're, you're hearing very uh, direct from me. Like I'm, you're hearing the album yeah. I'm thinking about writing the album that you're hearing. So, but there is also, and you'll in volume two, you'll, you'll understand it in, in more uh, of the present moment or not present now, but present when I was uh revisiting the album and writing it and driving cross country again is how I feel about those things and how some of those things still happen in a different way as a mid forties, early fifties yeah. midlife crisis kind of thing where you're like, okay, I'm divorced and I'm going to go have some fun. And they like, well, just be careful. The same things apply. Pick, 
well because you could and know that you could get hurt if you just kind of too casual about things or whatever. And uh, yeah, so I touch on that and, and musically um, it's um, there's a, a little bit of a tie in from the fir- with the first record, which is fun. Uh, but then there's a lot of new stuff that's just like starts to go expand, yeah. expanding the road trip of like different. You know, moves. we like this. We like this. Oh yeah. I mean, the road is the the road is um, freeing but cruel at the same time. Like there's you know being on the road full time. It is um, there are there's just some moments where you do have like I think that's why I like manic calm because you could go through like insane traffic, like in Little Rock. What are you doing lately? <laughs> I mean, and then, you know, almost die. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, calm, you know, on the road. And, you know, there's this thing. And and I think there's something, the road, um, as a, if you're a driver, you really are just you and the road. You know what I mean? And And whoever's around you, you're not really, a hundred percent engaged in the conversation because it's your head in the wheel and in the ahead of you. And I think you really get to think things out and maybe even have to go to the places you didn't want to think. Like we we are all good at just shelving it because we have all these things we have to do in life and shelve it. But on the road, what else are you going to do other than music? Thank God, Uh, especially Texas. (laughs) Got to do that, man. I'm like, do I don't make me drive through Dallas again. I'm looking at every alternative because <laughs> to make me go through there again. It's four hours of traffic. You know, it is, but you know, it's, there is something about the road that road trips that it's like ironing in a way. It's like ironing your clothes. Not that I know how to it, do it's, that. <laughs> it's like, um, you know, it's like everything. reading a book, you read a book, and it's not spoon fed to you your imagination is involved and with driving it's kind of like like you said there isn't much to do but think and listen to music and look and see what you oh, see God, and, look at everything yeah yeah and what you see can be dramatic it could be absolutely stunning mountains and you know canyons and just you know sunsets and beautiful things um and then it can also be brutal like a storm and you could barely see, you know, five, ten feet in yeah. front of you. And you're like, I hope I get through this alive. And it's a bit, it's kind of like an analogy for life and the journey of life. And, you know, it's been done. I'm not saying this is like a new thought here. No, but, but it's, I've but always it's, liked it. I've always liked cross country movies and these things oh, where it's yeah, like, yeah. man, if you have to trek it, you know, and you're going to go through ups and downs and you're going to go through these different uh, range of, um, of feelings and um but you know it's to me a really good um i mean it's not even it's it's it, i was gonna say it's a good basis for a concept album except for even more so for me because i did it and so i'm writing about my own story doing that uh but i, I always liked um driving i when i came to la i drove cross country from florida i live in florida now yeah but you know so i've always been because you know also <laughs> it's kind of funny when you're a music lover it's like oh man it's four hours no it's not it's four albums <laughs> vegas is four albums away from la oh it's just four albums away let's go <laughs> that's so funny because like i even like clock gas money according to hours like 
not by gallons, but by hours. Like if it's this many hours, this is this much gas. I don't know why, but it's like weird, but it is, it, yeah. Um, well, I'm going to be listening on this trek across. So when this airs, we would have just landed. Yeah. Even though we're driving, not flying, but, um, it'll be interesting to listen, even though we're going the other direction, you know, there will be tumbleweeds. It's that season. Everybody needs a good tumbleweed. And sometimes you get those haboob things out in Arizona too. Those little, I don't know, those little wind tunnels of, of dirt. And we've been through hurricanes. We've driven through just about everything. Wow. So it's fun, but music is part of it. And you're right about the analogy for life. Um, if people looked at it that way, life is more, it's a game almost. It's like, to me, I'm starting to think life is like a game show. <laughs> you you know, know, when you're driving in a storm and if you've driven in a hurricane, that's the extreme of it. And I've been in hurricanes living in Florida yeah, yeah. and stuff. Uh, but especially driving where you're in a vulnerable, you're just in this little vehicle and, you know, you're you know, the windshield you know wipers and trying to see. Yeah. And you think like, well, you got to weather the storm, the, the expression. It's literally, life is like that sometimes where sometimes when it rains and pours, another expression, it's like things are tough financially, emotionally, whatever it is, you know, uh, and it's important to remember that you'll get through it, mm-hmm. that there's going to be a sunny day at the end of that. Like you just have to stick it out. And, um, and that's, a lot of like too far gone, keep moving on. Uh, soon you will come back to life. And that is kind of like the older self talking to the younger self, yeah. if I could have, and say, look, just, just keep going. It'll, it'll be fine. You know, pick and, yourself and, and up. You'll, yeah. Yeah. You'll get to, ha- yeah, pick yourself up and you'll get to happier days. And I think, but, you know, it seems like a cliche, but it's actually just, very, very common amongst maybe all of us where we're down and need a pickup, need a reminder, need a kind of like, look, I know it's terrible. People like to commiserate for better or worse, but it's kind of like, just hang in there because you'll see a brighter day. You just will. It just the ebb and flow of life. That's how it is, you know, Uh, but don't be defeated to nothing when it's bad. Mm -hmm. You just have to kind of, you know, and, and that, that to me, because it was pretty bad at the time. I mean, I, like I said, I got over it, yeah. but like, you know, it can, it's embarrassing. You know, so this is my fiance. You tell your family and everything. And they're like, really? That's kind of quick. And you're like, oh, no. When, when it's the one, you know, it's the one. And I'm repeating her words. And then she pulls a 180 on me. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> remember what I, yeah, forget what I said. Uh, I don't know. Let me, I just don't even talk to me. I need to just drive and think about this because. I- I don't know what just my rug just got pulled out from underneath and uh, I don't know what's going on. But the idea of just kind of moving anyway felt good. I remember one time yeah, yeah. I was in a breakup and it, and and she was, she cheated on me and I knew that she did. And I asked her, cause she was acting all mean and weird, this other girl. And in, in LA, in fact, this was like the final straw for me to leave LA. I was like, I don't want to deal with it like this she left me for like a uh ferrari driving multi-millionaire dude so it was like the classic like oh, oh boy and um but i said are you seeing somebody or something going on and then she goes yes i admit it and then, and then broke up with me and i'm like i it just was such a shock that i i literally just sat home and cried all weekend because i knew she went away to palm springs with the guy for that weekend 
pretty harsh and cruel. Uh, but uh, uh, it was painful. I'll never forget that. Just sitting there. I should have just got out of the car and drove, mm-hmm. but you can't do it all the time. But this was like, you know, the difference between a little bit of manic calm, but driving through canyons and seeing beautiful yep. things and listening to music versus just sitting there imagining your, your girlfriend is in Palm Springs, you know, um, with some guy and like you just found out was excruciatingly painful, you know, for at least a, a weekend or a week or whatever it took you, me. Yeah. Everybody has those where that's it's, I did a drive once and, um, this thing that had been escalating between me and a, and, a, and this guy is, is it's still a very dear friend, but, um, you know, just like no matter how beautiful it was, it just realistically was not going to work. And it came to that realization because apparently I travel and do my own thing and no, you can't have my business. And no, I'm not selling my business. And no, you won't tell me what to do and when to answer a phone. It was like one of these brutal things, but yet in, in, uh, in your mind and your, your, you know, your emotions, this was like perfection, right? But it wasn't, and it was it just came down to brass tacks. And I remember going, "Well, this really sucks." And I drove home, and I think we were living in Joshua Tree at the time, and and I drove from Sam, the Bay Area down through the mountain passes, and I was crying. I was driving to Sacramento. It was like November or December or something, and they were closing the roads as I was heading down these mountain passes into like Lone Pine, and uh, I ended up at Mono Lake, like seriously going down this mountain pass. I was Levining area and I swear to God, like I'm, I was listening to the same album over, I think it was like Bob Dylan and all kinds of, I was listening to stuff like, get me through this, get me through this. I'm upset. And yet a snowstorm is coming. But then of course the side of me is like, well, this is cool. (laughs) I'm going to get stuck in the snow. I know how to drive through the snow. I can do this down a mountain pass. There was a full moon and a sunset that was pink we're on the mountains with the snow and there was a moon shining over Mono Lake. Wow. And I was like, I don't need this dude anymore. Screw this. I've got like a moon set over Mono Lake. This is the most epic thing. And it was, you know, and I'm trying to drive and Nancy's like trying to call him like, I don't know where I am. And then drive through the desert. I mean, I was on the road all night. By the time I got home, I was like, I'm done. I'm okay now. I'm fine. But there's that moment. But I saw this amazing that it'll, and I always put those two, like, this is just what happened. And then here's this magical moment I've always had. And that's what you're always chasing on the road is those moments. And you go through you know, some bad things too, like homeless areas. And I could, I mean, we could do shows on, on what we see across this country. And that's why we do what we do. But you've got to go through the crap to get to the good. And sometimes you start with the good and have to go through the crap, but wherever you start on the cycle of birth um, on this physical plane, you're going to go through it. And that I'll never forget that moment ever because it's still one of the most magical things I've ever experienced. Well, I was going to say that, and and actually that's primarily what the album and this series of albums are, are about is that, we have these relationships where we take risks and we get involved with somebody and they have their baggage and they have their traits and our incompatibilities and we have ours as well. That's a good and, one. Uh, incompatibilities. I like that word. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they, they rear their ugly head at a certain point, like, like whatever it may be. And, and something, let's say 
breaks and it's painful, um, can be painful. And the healing solutions, the variety of things that are out there are, are the options. One of them would be, let's say, a rebound which is probably not a good idea, but that's what Dirty Girl would be like. Oh, I can just forget my yeah. troubles and be with some new person. Um, or, um, but the the ones that are just you can't argue with are undeniably um, healing. Are things like nature and the beauty of mm-hmm. nature, and especially like so, like nature itself. But then a moment like that, a moon set, a monolake, that's priceless. That's like you, it's only happening right then. That particular thing. And snow and all that stuff. The universe has a way of showing up Mm -hmm. through things like that in moments of despair. And and it's incredible if you're, if you, and it's healing. It's, and, and of course the other thing is music and the hypnotic uh, movement Mm -hmm. of driving forward. Like, when you talk about traffic, I hate traffic. I think pretty much everyone does. But the main reason I hate it is it's stop, go, stop, go. And like, it, but when it's they're out of the way and I can just go, it's awesome. You know, it's like just moving on, you know. And all of those things, you know, when you combine, especially so for the drive, the best parts of the drive were, you know, not pulling over and calling to see if you could talk it out. It's like, well, you got slammed on that one. And, you know, the rebound idea, bad idea, at least I set, didn't go for it and, and didn't cause more trouble um, in my head. And But the best parts were the beautiful things I saw on the drive, the time to myself, music, space. And there were those magic uh, nature moments. I remember one time I just sat, I, I pulled over and watched the sunset in some random place. And that was beautiful. And then another thing, there's a place, you probably know it. It's called Lookout Mountain, I think it is. And it looks like the Grand Canyon, but it, it's not publicized. But it, there's a, like a sign, I think maybe along the 10, um, between California and Texas, somewhere in there, where um, you could pull over and sightsee there. But there's, so there's no commercial, there's no shops, no. there's nothing, right? So you go there and there might be another driver group of people there. But when I went, there was no one. And you just stood on top of this like mountain and could see the, all these canyons, kind of like the Grand Canyon, but, but like even that's, more that's barren. Lubbock and tech and Dallas. It's between Lubbock and Dallas, I believe. And it's, if you went off the one interstate thing to go on the side road and it's it. like fingers, it's like fingers, like yes. almost like Anza Borrego. Like, and I it's think like you're it, looking at, I thought of so many things. It's like you're looking at, in fact, uh, Ghost Written Fables, the song of the Traveler, was inspired by that, which is wow. the idea in, in that song. I, I'm a time traveler in sci-fi version. Mm-hmm. And I go into the future where there's no more humans. And that you're, looks like you're looking at prehistoric Earth. You really are, actually. You are. Yeah, and, you are. Or life without people. And... You, but you, it was so deep because it was kind of like you had respect for the earth that kind of just like endures our craziness for this little blip of time that it's been around. Right? And it's like, like patience. It's humbling. It's humbling because it reminds you like how small we are and then how big it is. But I think also about the album and um, see when I talked about the progressive 
nature of prog rock, this is what I'm talking about. It's like there's a hope. There's always a sense of hope or moving forward and there's a positive light in the, in the music. That's what I've been just from, you know, what we've been listening to. But road tripping. So when you have a breakup, especially if you're living with someone and you're knee deep and, you know, here's the noose around your neck kind of thing. Um, you're going through like, and they break up, the rugs pulled out. So not only it's your comfort zone has been taken away as well on top of it all. And the road is like, and when you go on the road, it's almost like, Oh, if I'm going to have a change, this is my way of controlling my change, even though, you know, anything can happen, but you're setting yourself up to know and to trust yourself and being on the road and travel is about trusting yourself because any situation can happen at any time, like whether you're driving or not, how are you going to handle that? If you know, it's a storm or whatever it is, it's like being live on stage. Anything can freaking happen at any time. You have to trust yourself in that moment to be present, aware and handle it. And so in that way, travel, when you go through something big in life and it's, and it, like all the movies that you're talking about, like, you know, road trip movies, whatever it is, there's something about it where you kind of regra- regain, um, you overcome fear of routine, getting past routine, creating something non-routine even. It's like a weird thing of us being open to all kinds of change and putting ourselves back in our place of um, trust, trusting ourselves. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of sayings like, you're in the driver's seat uh, or, you know, um, I'm always in the driver's seat. In the car. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's your, you're kind am. of, it's, it is analogous to like, you know, taking your power back or, or at least putting things in your hands, your fate in your hands or your journey or, you know, where you're going. It's like, you're uh, guiding your own destiny in that moment of just as opposed to let's say allowing yourself to wallow or or have a victim mentality of like Ooh, i, I am like that been screwed over and i'm gonna stay here and stagnate and eat pretzels or <laughs> whatever lord of the rings <laughs> Um, although I did in the pandemic, I watched the entire extended Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit, but that oh, was the pandemic. But other than that, get in the car and drive and be open for new things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the cool things about, I mean, I, we're speaking, it's like, you know, preaching to the choir, like you and I both love nature mm-hmm. and we love driving. And so, yeah. you know, not everybody does that, but I do think it, you know, it can be liberating for people to just get out of the box. You know, we live in these boxes you know even just getting outdoors sometimes so hiking is even better because like you know that's that's the whole other thing it's like but you also see like this country is like just if we're even just talking about this country and you can go everywhere around the world right well not everywhere Right. right now um we as this country have so many different communities that are so different to how where we may live now right and to see get off the interstate go off on the little road see how communities are drive like for us like for me i love to get go drive through a community as the sun's rising and most of the time we want to be where the sun's rising so we can get into nature and and see the animals and everything but to see a town wake up or a town go to sleep you wonder who's in that house are they drinking coffee if so give me some i'm like half of the time i want to pull over say hey i'm here 
I want more coffee, please. You know, but there's like, you want to know, are, are, do their kids go to the local school? Like, what's their story? Like, if I could knock on people's doors as we traveled, I would. Cause I want to know. I wish know. that life was, and this could be just my perspective, as safe and friendly yeah. as that. I think to some extent it is. And then to a large extent, people just have issues with each other that oh, are just God, like someone drives up on your driveway. You know, what the hell? Here, like here comes the guns. You know, we've done some of those on the road. Oopsie. There's certain places in in Tennessee you don't want to be driving. But I remember yourself. traveling in in like <laughs> Europe, and you and you like a total stranger. There's like people outside having a dinner, like in Spain or Italy or Greece, a place like that, and they're so warm, and it's like, oh, come join us. Yeah, yeah. And they're having like this amazing dinner, and like, oh, okay, you know, and it's beautiful. I wish the whole world was like that, where people yeah. could just share their their community and and their style of cooking and their their Did, their. We do traditions. have it. We do have it. It's come back a little bit. We were last year in Michigan. I didn't think Wisconsin or Michigan, my best friend from high school flew over here and I haven't seen her since we left South Africa. And it was like this big deal. It's been apparently 30, whatever year it is. She gets here with her daughter and her daughter connected with this other family and they rented a house. We all went to this house and all the family members started appearing at this little house on the water we didn't know anybody other than my friend Melissa and I, and, and you know, we're all family, family to a, to each other, you know, and it was crazy. We were all different political views. I mean, we, I mean, I learned how to play cornhole. I mean, people just brought food and everybody, it was just one of those, it felt like I was back in South Africa, actually like this backyard style of everybody just hanging out, having a couple drinks, playing cornhole, which I've been laughing about since I ever heard the word. I mean, who called it cornhole? Sorry, but that's really funny as hell. Like It took me for years. I had a friend who used to come on representing Kentucky on shows, and they kept going, why do they laugh when they say cornhole? And she says, well, because Lisa and Nancy are from California. Take it, get away. But anyway, I finally learned that. But it was this sense of um, we do have and we've seen it and i think cuz the way we travel we're always immersed with people in in their homes and and stuff so it's different so don't give up hope on that it is there but it's just different and we have to do it in different ways and i think music and concerts put people together well that you know you know i was thinking about possibly doing uh a, a good friend of mine does this all the time francis dunnery um and he even wrote a book about it um house concerts and some yeah, other yeah. friends have done it that that could be a way to try to um, connect with people and also bring the music into it and and offer something, especially with an album like this uh, and the whole album series is it's kind of intimate anyway. Storytelling, you know, yeah, uh, it can be done acoustically. Um, so that's something that I might explore and to be more traveling and and travelogue, you know, along with it. Um, but the irony is that that's stepping outside of my box because my box is this. And I don't mind being the mad scientist with the knobs and, you know, making the music and produce because I do uh, almost everything in terms of mixing, mm. mastering, video editing and the whole, that whole thing. And it's very time consuming, but I have that duality where I, I like to be in my little cave, my man cave or whatever you want to call it. And then I love nature and I love people and I love to kind of 
I love the fact my favorite part of music. I was talking about this recently with somebody too. And I, of course I could say this in my fifties, who knows what it would have been like if I was successful as a musician, really successful, like some winning Grammys and platinum records. You know, I have friends who did that, that when they were in their twenties, but I didn't. I, I, record companies rejected me. Uh, <laughs> but you became nice your own entrepreneur, which I think rejection yeah. leads to some strength. Um, Honestly. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I have no, you know, it's, it probably was a good thing. But um, the wisdom of being able to see uh, what the value is of what I'm trying to do, is it to have as many people as possible tell me compliments and to win awards and to big my ego up to where I feel like validated or something mm -hmm. or feel kind of like important or whatever it is, famous, you know, it's like, no. In fact, I talk about that even in the song, where the, one of the first songs, Dreaming in L.A., is like, was actually thinking about that when I left L.A. I was like, do I, why am I here? Do I need to be famous? Do I really need to be famous? Or do I just want to be a music artist and have yeah. my stuff out there and reach to connect with the people? And so that's what it's all about for me is, you know, it, it, this, it requires success financially because it costs money to make and we got to live and eat. So, and I don't mind I wouldn't mind certainly if, if, if it was uh, massively successful, if that's even possible anymore in the music industry. But, um, and as far as fame is a utility, if it means more people know who we are or know who I am, so they can buy concert tickets when I come into town, then it's useful. If it's so that people look at me weird everywhere I go, it's a little annoying. Yeah. I know people like Phil Collins can't even have a dinner without people interrupting his dinner to take a picture, have an autograph, like everywhere he goes for his whole See, life. That would so, be hard. That would be really hard. I'd have like, prison. they'd have to put a muzzle on me. Cause like I would tell people like, you know, even when you try hard. to be incognito, you look like a guy trying to, a it's person trying to hard, be though, incognito. You must be famous. Yeah. It's hard. Cause you got, you want to do the indoor. We call Nancy and I call it the indoor outdoor indoor. We're in the creative mode, writing and doing all the wizardry kind of stuff. Then all of a sudden we have to be out and about people. We're like, okay, we can't do two in the same day. It's really difficult unless I'm creating at night. Then we, then then it's fine. Everyone's gone and I can create at night. But that indoor outdoor thing is really difficult to be. Your your energy is going to people, right? So it's like yes. a concert. It's it's, it's well, that's creative. what it's all about. Yeah. Is your connection to people and giving them something, something to listen to on their drive, mm -hmm. something to listen to on the way to work, something to listen to when they're working out with their Air AirPods, yeah. something to help them through a breakup or and inspire them. Um, you know, music, as we were saying earlier, it's, it's, you, you almost can't go a day without hearing music somewhere, even if you're just shopping and there's music in the background, music kind of keeps us going. And it's like it a does. vibration, you know, uh, massager you know healing musicians are like healers in a weird, weird way it's important uh part of life it is to certain people it's definitely it's to me it's Sound therapy therapist. exactly it is and, vibration yeah it's vibration. We, we need it and that's why we need in my opinion like we need new music because there's great music from the 60s and the 70s i talk about this a lot but it's like if you're only listening to that it's great by just stagnating you need new fuel you need something can, new to can think you talk about. to all the radio stations across the country if you're not in a college town it sucks <laughs> i i hate hotel california now and, and i never did it's a brilliant song but it's like we we count it like we could hear it three times a day 
on the road. Yeah. It, it's it, like, and they, change, they keep the same. And I'm like, that, if you're going to do the Eagles, they've got so much more. I mean, why At don't least. you do Seven Bridges Road? Nobody plays that. I mean, that's amazing harmony. You know, like no one does that, you know. Play the B side of the album for God's sakes for once. You know, it's, it's, God, I feel like the radio and, and I know there's a lot of independent stations, but when you're traveling, maybe I, I'm keeping on our car, Mova Cleopatra Doppelganger is her name. <laughs> she, she has a CD player and I'm holding on to her for that reason. And I'm not like, I'm just weird about it. I don't, I Me want too. that vibe of, you know, just, I don't know. You can't listen to the radio anymore unless you have all the digital stuff, I suppose. Like, I don't know, but I feel like we need to go back and, and there should be a road. I mean, if there was a way for us to do it, I would do it. I have a road trip channel that goes across the country that people That'd can be great. To. Wouldn't it be well, cool? Well, there's like so many songs? styles, but yeah. I think the important thing is that there's just new fuel. And again, it's like yeah, when I think about it, it's not from the perspective of uh, me personally, uh, I need help. I'm begging for people to, to buy albums or, or do whatever it's like, or to listen to my music and be open-minded. Even though sometimes in the prog world, I have to kind of remind people like, just be open-minded and listen to new music, whether it's me or big, big trainer like or Matt Dorsey. Anyway, there's music yeah. being made that is really good. And, 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 but the thing is, it's a, it's not about that. It's about the more broad kind of, um how music fits in with people's lives and what it can do if like you said hotel california is a brilliant song but if that's all you listen to you're kind of staying in the same place whereas um if you listen to new music that new album from tears of fears or porcupine tree or whoever it is could be like that's reminds me of that summer because i was listening to that yeah and it's and it could be an old album too but at least it's new to you. It's not just stay away to heaven again. You know, it's like a, a, a B-side or, or a, a deep cut or something you haven't heard from them or a solo album or whatever. But but especially to me, like new music where it's like, well, no one's heard it before. Like my new album, it just came out. No one's heard it before. It it's may cool. lift you up. It may, you know, be a I great I like it. I can't wait. I'm, I'm going to tell you as, uh, how it goes on the road trip. I can't wait for that because it's like two different listening experiences. One sitting with a headset and just listening versus being on the road, it'll be interesting. So I'll try and time it that we get to the tumbleweed place at the right time. But uh, Dave, I got to run. It's been such a pleasure having you back on Likewise. the show. Don't wait so many years next time. <laughs> get the next album out. Uh, but everyone go to DaveKersner.com. Is that the best place for them to get things and connect? Sure. Instagram. I know you do a lot on Instagram too and get geeky on Instagram too. My band camp is called sonicelements.bandcamp.com. Exactly. That's, um, that's a good place, too, to get it. Yeah, you can go there through my website, though, davekersner.com. So make it All easy. Right. Awesome. And we want to give a shout out for our sponsor today, uh, the National Parks Arts Foundation. We love them. They create these amazing artist residencies for musicians, painters, poets, writers, whatever you do, your dancer, um, places like Hawaii Volcanoes National Park. You can stay there for a month in a beautiful art house with a sound system. Uh, not a sound system, a recording studio, by the way. Wow. Just saying. I know. For a month just to create Chaco Canyon. Uh, I'm just kind of just, you know, saying. 
I'm okay. sold. <laughs> I know. Great. There's there's dry tortugas not far from you, right? Dry tortugas. Yeah. Um, at National Park, Loggerhead Key, you have to take another person with you because you are off the grid for an entire month. What would you oh. do? No Instagramming. You know? I would live off the fat of the land. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have a good That's time. That's a fantasy there, of mine. Well, there you go. Gilligan's Island. It could be Kersner's Island. There it is. Oh, at the squid. We got to talk about squids. That would be perfect. Awesome. Squids Island. Well, thanks again so much. Everyone keep up with us at bigblendradio.com. You take care and we'll keep listening. Thank you, Lisa. Take care. 